Chicagoland, this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. We are coming to you from the Radio DePaul Sports Studios on State and Jackson in beautiful downtown Chicago. I'm Mike Fleischman. He is Matt Melamsetter. Hi, Matt. Hey, how are you doing, Mike? I'm so good. The weather has turned. This is my official declaration. Optimism. it's, It's so nice. I thought about not wearing a coat today. I thought, like, maybe I'll just do a long sleeve. Maybe I'll just... Did you wear a coat today? Yeah, I, I wore I wore a light little jacket. Light little jacket. I, I really believe in jackets, though, as a fashion statement. Sure. I could have gone Absolutely. maybe sweater. Yeah. Yeah. Sweatshirt, maybe. Mm-hmm. Keep it a little warm, toasty. It's great. It's like 55 out today in Chicago. It, like, less than a week ago, I feel like we just got snow. The sun, too. The sun is cooking everything in the city. It's beautiful. So, icebreaker question. We're going to do Please. this. We're going to do this every week. I have, like, seven of these so far. I'm collecting them. You are not a Wisconsinite, but what is the most Wisconsin that you've ever felt? Wow. So that's a good question. Can I include a story of when I was in Wisconsin? Please do. Okay. I was uh, – I have my car in Chicago here. I was driving it back from South Dakota. It's like an eight, nine-hour drive, um, and I stopped in Wisconsin in a small town in Wisconsin. I don't know where it was. Just you know, Just a miscellaneous truck stop, town of about 300 – and I pull over into this truck stop to fill up with gas, and I was a little bit unsure if this was a gas station because it was also a uh, like grocery store. And the sign, larger than any of the gas numbers or anything like that, was beer, cheese, in small font below it, gas, and the price of gas. Perfect. And I was like, this is the most Wisconsin thing that there is, is the price of beer and the price of cheese way above the price of gas at the gas station. There's so many of these spots, too, where they they were just selling cheese just in, in the gas stations. Or the uh, if you drive up to Milwaukee, you pass like the Mars Cheese Castle, mm-hmm. where they've built, built a castle that just sells sells cheese wow. in it. It's, yeah, it's not even like... It's a reputation more than it is like, oh, they make all the cheese in America. No, no, <laughs> no, just not enough, not enough square acres to do that. But um, <laughs> boy, they the culture is uh, is is a thing. My wife owns a shirt that has a, a outline of Wisconsin on it, and the caption is "Wisconsin smell the derriere." <laughs> That's a good shirt. It's it's a pretty good shirt. Most Wisconsin I've ever felt is in. 05, I moved down to Dallas, Texas, and I'm working mm-hmm. in a kitchen down in Dallas, Texas, and. At that point, I hadn't dropped the uh, the up north thing yeah. that I had in my voice because I had no idea that I talked like this. Yeah. And I was in this kitchen with a bunch of these guys from the south, and they're like, hey, can you get this thing done for me? And I'm like, oh, you betcha. And on the <laughs> way out, and this guy, and this like, this, like, like super, this super rockabilly guy yeah. who I'm working with kind of is like, come back. <laughs> come, come, come back. Did you just say, oh, you betcha. <laughs> that's when I realized that, wow, I sound different from these guys. Okay. That's, that, that's a thing that happens then. So, uh, oh, you betcha. Most, uh, most Wisconsin I've ever felt. And that was uh, first, first four months in Dallas, Texas that that happened. When was that? That was 2005. 2005. Okay. Yes. So it was after the release of, I'm thinking they definitely heard you say that and thought of Fargo, like the Coen Brothers I'm movie. sure they did, And yeah. they were just like, what? Yeah, and, and I wasn't trying to <laughs> ape Fargo or anything. And as much as like, as much as Fargo is a very, a very concerted work to, to play up that accent, it is something that, it is very real. Yeah. You know, my, my, my folks sound a bit like that and- you know your parents and your grand my parent my grandparents sound even more like mm-hmm. that and it as you go north the thing that they do with the dish gets the even thicker <laughs> it's it it is very real um podcast about accents hey um we're just gonna talk about the green bay packers as like an interlude for that <laughs> i wanted to start out because we skipped this last week i named the episode after it but this is episode two episode two is entitled we talk about Jordy Nelson. Talk about Jordy. <laughs> so, um, I, I, of course, Jordy Nelson released by by Green mm-hmm. Bay at the beginning of the off season, a, a shock to many. He is now an Oakland Raider, and just off the top, before we delve any, into any specifics, the Matt Mellomsetter take on on Jordy Nelson, the whole the whole deal, the whole deal. Um, I mean, sad to see him go. One of the best receivers that I've seen in my lifetime. One of the best Packers receivers probably in history, um, a fantastic Packer, a fantastic teammate, a f- fantastic guy. 
I, in terms of the move, I'm sad to see Jordy Nelson go. I'm very happy with the move. I think it saved us a lot of cap space. Um, <clears throat> I would have been interested in seeing Randall Cobb go before Jordy Nelson, but Jordy really struggled to get separation over the back half of last season um, and really seemed like all of his production was coming from that intimate connection with Aaron Rodgers and not from Jordy Nelson being a great wide receiver anymore. And with that $12 million that we freed up, that's a lot of cap space that we were then able to basically switch to Jimmy Graham, who's mm-hmm. an incredibly talented, younger tight end. That I expect to have a bigger season than Jordy Nelson would have this season. I'm very much with you. I'm of, I'm of two minds. One, one mind is Jordy Nelson. He was a, a fantastic Packer, a, an icon. Yes, absolutely. In, in, the, uh, in, the, in the 87 jersey, but... You've turned Jordy Nelson into Jimmy Graham and Mo Wilkerson. Yeah, that that is a fair trade. It's very much it's very much in the Demarius Randall world of like, well, Demarius Randall, he's pretty good, but you turned him into Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, so that's better. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult though, and it reminds you that it reminds you about the business side of it, which is Absolutely. something that the Green Bay culture tends to stay away from is the acknowledgement that it's a business. There's not a lot. When you remind the Green Bay fans that this is a contract-based business in which people are disposable, sometimes they can get very, uh, very upset about it. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to f- just skirt the controversy. I'm going to put my hand around the skirt of controversy sure. right now and say that it especially rankles people when that player getting released, when that player who's reminding you that it's a business is uh, is white. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, an issue with the NFL in general is the disposableness of players, and I, yeah, it's Wisconsin. Yeah, I you know we all we all have our jokes. I'm I'm cynical. I like to joke that you know a lot of fan bases like to pick out their favorite white player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and uh, kind of elevate their 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 skill level and such with Nelson. It's not a matter of like, Oh, you have to, you have to pretend he's not David Eckstein. No, he's yeah. not. He's not Brian Scalabrini. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's Matthew not Cole Beasley. Yeah. yeah. He's not Cole Beasley. <laughs> he's yeah. uh he's, he's a guy who's legitimately one of the best wide receivers out there, but green Bay has let a lot of guys go unceremoniously that has, that have had long careers with them that have not, not had that kind of traction with the uh, with some of the fan base, and mm-hmm. I don't want to spend my day denigrating the uh, the Packers fan base. <laughs> sure. But this is just something I noticed throughout throughout sports that mm-hmm. I see a lot is this idea that that grit and hustle and such is uh, is frequently a comment on on like, hey, this player looks like me. Yes. Whereas like my reminder would be like, um, uh, hey, George at the corner of the bar, Jordy Nelson, don't look like you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jordy Nelson ran today. Yeah. Jordy Nelson ran this year. Yeah, Jordy Jordy Nelson came out of college running a four three seven. Yeah, he didn't look like you, George. Yeah, George George came out of his truck walking a <laughs> walking a seventeen minute forty. So uh, George took eight minutes to yeah, walk from the parking lot yeah. to the bar. George, you ain't Jordy. Nelson. George wants to know when his cheese fries are popping out of the toaster oven. Um, so, so that that's us talking about Jordy Nelson. I wanted to uh, I wanted to get to it from the Oakland Raiders side. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm baffled by everything the Oakland Raiders are doing right now. Sure, not yeah, really, absolutely. not really into what's happening there. I think the Gruden signing was absurd. Yeah, that was the the length of it. Yeah, is oh what gets God. to me of like like this guy. You you ha- there has to be more of a question mark than like would you like a ten year contract? There has yeah, to be more of like, are you even interested in this? Like has has the game passed you by? Yeah, when's the last time John Gruden coached? It's like five or six years ago, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the game has changed exponentially, not just in rules or anything like that, just in how it's played. It's it's moved to a lot. The, the, the game of football in the NFL has become a lot more of a passing-style game and a lot more of a spread-style offense game. Since John Gruden was last in the league, can he adapt this Oakland Raiders team to fit that? Is he adaptable over the 10—maybe the 10-year contract is them saying, hey, John, first three years, you just getting acclimated again. Then you got seven more to go. Well, what, what he is <laughs> seven years. It's interesting because he does represent a stability in a franchise that is going to, of course, move to Las Vegas mm-hmm. after after I believe two years. Mm-hmm. They are going to get set up in Las Vegas. I was just in Las Vegas less than half a year ago. They love their Golden Knights. Yeah, 
they are ready for an NFL team out there. Mm-hmm. Everyone I talk to is excited about it. There is there is a major draw for folks to uh, to be able to come in and see all this stuff, and to know that they're going to bring a team in and be on rocky footing, but they're going to have a guy who is on the sidelines who maybe isn't great, but this team will print money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't see them letting him go before they get to Las Vegas, but I think two or three years into being the Las Vegas Raiders, then it becomes very, very worthwhile to negotiate a buyout or just say like, hey, see you later because – you know, it's it's chump change yeah. what we're paying you compared to what the revenues will be for them as a, as a Las Vegas franchise. Absolutely, the Golden Knights play in a palace out there. It's a it's a really unique situation where they play on the strip, and there is a a pavilion, Whoa. or just like a block off the strip I didn't down know on the that. south side of the strip. The the arena arenas down there. It's absolutely gorgeous, uh, a huge like social hub of of that area. So I, I think I think football will work about the same way. Wow. There. So so Jordy Nelson. See the, the Raiders going deep into the playoffs their first year in Las Vegas? Uh, like no, Knights. no, I don't think they're going to uh, I don't think they're going to <laughs> Golden Knight quite that. I, I the I want the Raiders to put it together yeah. because it, you when you grow up watching the NFL in the era that I did, the mm-hmm. Raiders occupied a very similar spot to the Packers in that they were a complete anomaly. Yeah. They had a very established culture and were the complete opposite of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. So you like that. You like those crazy guys in the face paint. And <laughs> and you know, they, they really embrace like a gladiatorial approach to fandom and football, but they just can't get it. They just can't together. be good. No, they can't be good. And and they you know the some of the guys that they get that look like they're going to be great, it's it's luck. Yeah, you know, it, it is it is bad luck that Absolutely. some of these guys have not worked out. And of course, David Carr can't stay healthy. That, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, David Carr, David Carr's the Hi. older brother. Yeah, his older brother. Hey, at least they're showing re- some age. At here, least Mike. they're related. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the NFC Central, and uh, I will see myself out. Uh, <laughs> that's uh yeah jordy nelson's a raider that is that's something else i will i'll be watching the raiders a bit more than yes. I, I normally do just to see how he does out there absolutely and i think i mean i i i i don't think he'll be as good as jordy nelson has been mainly because i think jordy nelson over the last few years of his career has relied so much on his connection with rogers and not necessarily separation or his hands or anything like that he had a few big drops last season when brett hunley was throwing him the ball but having Derek carr being the he'll be the number two receiver next year behind Amari Cooper. It it I think it'll be fun to watch. I think he'll be decent. He won't be Pro Bowl level. He won't be going off the charts, but he'll be playing well. Being able to work that back shoulder throw and be on the opposite side of the field from a guy you have to respect like Cooper, yeah. that will help him. Yeah. Because anytime that he sees any sort of off coverage, a short throw, he can be reliable on that. Like his hands are are still fine. Mm-hmm. But it's the legs that are yeah. the question with him. So, he's Godspeed not, to you, Jordy Nelson. He's not going to burn anybody over the top like he used to. He's not going to run those deep posts nope. and burn you sixty yards downfield. But Godspeed to you, Jordy Nelson. Goodbye. Enjoy. Enjoy Oakland or enjoy Los the, Angeles enjoy or the sunny weather, the Bay Area or wherever it is they play nowadays. <laughs> and enjoy in, enjoy Mark Davis's hair. If you get out there, could you just ask Mark Davis what's going on? Just get him, buy him a new haircut. I'll Venmo, him. Jordy, I'll Venmo you. Just buy him a new haircut. Mark Davis doesn't Venmo really need bucks. anyone to lend him <laughs> <laughs> money for that haircut. Um, I mean, I know a, I know a good barber. I follow my barber on Instagram. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, I can I can let you know, Mark Davis. If you want to tweet at Cheese Cagoland, which is our our Twitter account, which uh, I thought I thought that flowed nicely. It's great out of the mouth at Cheese Cagoland. I will let you know about my barber. You can follow them on Instagram. Uh, my barber's name is Garfield. I'm not kidding about that. He tried to give me a pompadour, but I if you just don't comb it upwards it's a fine haircut anyway uh trevor davis got arrested <laughs> for as i wrote down in my notes a <laughs> bomb threat yep yep <laughs> um this is and i approach this one as like good job yeah idiot and two you have to not listen to the voices 
that tell you to do antisocial things <laughs> in public. You got to knock off those impulsive thoughts, yeah. Trevor. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, you have to you have to not not pursue that that voice that says like, "Hey, you should say something really stupid." Hey, tell me back the bombs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny joke. Don't do that. Tell the TSA you packed the bombs. Yeah, the the TSA has a good sense of humor. <laughs> They'll think this is really yeah. funny. <laughs> they're totally down for jokes and japes. <laughs> uh, they're really not. <laughs> we, I mean, we both have a consensus on Trevor Davis of like, yeah, this guy's not very yeah. good. And good. and this is this is not like I'm not taking this as proof of that <laughs> because yeah. You know, Trevor, I hear the voices too, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 we all hear them. We all, Everybody we all hear does. those voices that say like, "Hey, you should do something real, real, real dumb." Just you don't have to, man. Just say no. Yeah, yeah. When when they ask you, "Do you have any bombs, comma sir?" You say the no. answer. Yeah, the answer you're looking for is, uh uh-uh. uh Even here's the thing. Even if you have them. You still say no. You still absolutely do not tell them that you have them. That's the craziest <laughs> yeah. part about this. Yeah, when when the cop asks you like, so what have you been doing tonight? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, there we go. Absolutely, there's not a, the not answer. Not a damn thing. Not not even. I a, don't have any bombs. In I my haven't car. even what take, are you talking I haven't about? even breathed in like <laughs> six days, let alone had any thoughts or done anything. Uh, <laughs> so Trevor Davis, um, tr- uh, hi. Hey Trevor. Um, if you want to tweet tweet at us again, tweet at us at Cheese Chocolate <laughs> and let me let me know uh, what what what's happening there. Uh, I have some I have some advice for you. And last thing before we hit a break, um, and I wrote this down too. I, I was taking notes in a a sarcastic way this this morning. Aaron Rodgers colon is he confused and sad? Uh, Matt, is he confused and sad? He might be, but I don't think he is. He just bought the Bucks. Yeah, he just bought a big share of the Bucks. I think he's very happy with where he's at. And I think, I don't know. There's been a lot of talk of Aaron Rodgers being upset that he's not involved in player personnel decisions, stuff like that. He came out and said that he's totally fine with it, and he knows his place. And he just bought a big share of the Bucks, and is a huge Bucks fan. And was at the playoff games and everything. I think, I think he's chilling. I think he's happy to be in Green Bay. I think he has no plans to go anywhere else. I think he's fine too. And also, I don't care if yeah. he if he isn't fine because. I mean, as we've seen, like a lot of these these players who are given that leeway to make personnel decisions, to me that is a sign of deep insecurity on the part of ownership and management. Like that's a Dan Gilbert thing yeah. to do, and uh, you don't want to be Dan Gilbert. No, just yeah, just in case no. you were wondering, do I want to be Dan Gilbert? Answer: nah. no. Uh, no, pass on that. So that is that's very much how I see it. Is that if if you if you are in a place where you're thinking about Dan Gilberting, <laughs> you're not you're not in the place you no. want to be at. Packers Packers don't need that. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need that. Mm-hmm. And I this is to me a bigger thing about how the tabloid sports press interacts with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is I'm pretty confident smarter than your average NFL player Absolutely. by a pretty wide margin. Absolutely. And as such, he has a slightly wider and more detached viewpoint on who he is, what he does, and what it means than some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. And I think more guys than we realize also have that viewpoint, but his exposure level as also being one of the greatest players in the game right now makes it a little bit more obvious to people and I think the press just come after him for that. Yeah. And I th- he he absolutely knows uh what's going to happen every time time he opens his mouth. He knows absolutely what the reactions are going to be. He knows everything about it. He knows he's very good at manipulating the media and he doesn't speak to the media very often because of the way that they've twisted his words in the past. He he's a smart guy and I I I don't think he has any interest in being involved with player personnel decisions, this is, we talked about it earlier, this is a contract-based business. I mean, if a player gets involved in player acquisitions, player personnel decisions, stuff like that, it becomes much more of an emotional game than a contract-based results game. And you can't have that. You'll start Dan Gilberting and bring in 35-year-old D. Wade. Mike Miller! Yeah, hey, hey, (laughs) South Dakota boy. I love Mike Miller. I I like the evolution of Mike Miller. (sighs) 
Classic. It's it's uh because he went from went from like a guy with a sort of nondescript NBA guy appearance to sure. like the most like scuzzed out dude. <laughs> yeah. With like the weird scuzzy facial hair yep. and a bunch of very random tattoos. Bright colored tattoos. Like he didn't he didn't Reddick. Yeah. Where like you've seen Reddick has yeah. gone all like ripped and he's got like real tightly done mm-hmm. sleeves of tattoos and such. He didn't Reddick. Miller went more like Mike Scott. Yes. Where it's like this is random. This man is disorganized. Birdman. Yeah. He, Chris Anderson Birdman. Chris oh. Anderson came in the league clean man. No tats. Uh-huh. Normal hair. Left the league as a crazy person. The NBA does that to people. The NBA did it to Mike Miller. Yeah, and uh, LeBron James is just like, you know what? We need Dan Gilbert. We need Mike <laughs> Miller. And Dan Gilbert's like, I don't know who that is. Here is the league minimum salary. And Mike Miller's like, Are you kidding me? Mike Miller's like, Sure, five hundred thousand dollars. Like my both my knees are broken. <laughs> I literally cannot stand. And and there he's he's getting. Uh, He's getting that, but yeah, don't uh, don't Dan Gilbert. No, Aaron Rodgers is is a cool guy. I like him a lot. He's a guy that is is very much. I see him on the level of like guys like Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. who have who understands so much more. Yes, that this is entertainment, and yes. that this is something that is in a large part stacked against players. Ab- oh my God! Absolutely. And, uh, I'm going to recommend. Have you ever heard the uh, Pete Holmes podcast? No, with, not. that has Aaron Rodgers on it. It is uh, the podcast is called "You Made It Weird" yes. with Pete Holmes. My my roommate's a huge Pete Holmes fan. Um, I uh, <laughs> Pete Holmes is like such a guilty pleasure to yeah, me sure. because uh, he makes me laugh really, really hard, almost like reluctantly. Like I'm trying <laughs> to like not do it like i don't want to <laughs> and there there it happens um but the his conversation with aaron Rodgers yeah. is absolutely fascinating and yeah for for aaron it's very much about like hey i realized that this wasn't i'm paraphrasing i like i realized that like football is very temporary yes and and that sort of that sort of realization as a guy who had who voluntarily changed careers at 36 years old yeah to be where i'm sitting today uh-huh. like to hear another guy who's about my age mm-hmm. sit down and be like hey this is temporary we choose what we want to do we look forward into the future we decide on our own values mm-hmm. like it's very cool to hear hear a guy that you idolize for like sling ball places, yeah. you know, do championship belt celebration. It's cool to hear that that sort of thinking come out of him. Yes, I've 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 listened to him talk before about how he doesn't really plan on a career in football after his days are playing are done. He has no he he's talked before about how he doesn't have interest in being the front office, in being a coach, anything like that. Even though he'd be fantastic at it, he has interest beyond football. And so I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is sad or confused in Green Bay because he's limited in his personnel influence or his influence on coaching decisions, stuff like that. I think that he understands his role as a player and understands that there are bigger pieces than him in this organization. Yeah, he's he's very interesting. He's not sad. He's not upset that he doesn't get to sign Mike Miller. <laughs> um, he's this, uh, that's, that's the official Cheeseheads in Chicagoland uh, post. We're going to take a quick break. Um, Aaron Rodgers, if you, in fact, are sad, uh, you can tweet at us at Cheesecagoland. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll like DM you my phone number if you ever want to call me up. Man, just... You just sit and chat with Aaron Rodgers. Just say, hey, what's up? How you doing, Aaron? Like that that phone rings and like your caller ID just says, A-Rod. <laughs> and and you like, hope it's not Aaron Rod- yeah. Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Right. What do you mean he's not hitting the curveball? <laughs> well, who is who is this? Uh, all right, we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick break. Come back on Cheeseheads in Chicago and talk about the NFL draft and the Green Bay Packers schedule, which we learned about this week. That's coming up. Stick right here with us.
We're back. It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. We are on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. We have a Facebook group. It's called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Make sure to sign up and follow those if you like us. Stay tuned for us. We're going to keep on doing Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It'll be a weekly thing once the season actually starts. Right now, that's too much Cheeseheads in Chicagoland um, because... I, we can't we can't be the NFL Network, Matt Malum said. No. They what do they talk about? Because I don't have Absol- the NFL Network. Ab- they talk about absolutely nothing. I used to be a big NFL Network watcher when I was in high school. And okay, I had cable television. I don't have it anymore. They talk about nothing for the for like eight months. Because I can just imagine it's just like a bunch of guys who played in the NFL sitting around me like. Who are the top 10 golfers currently on NFL rosters? Like, I don't want to know. They play a lot of football in the studio. You watch okay. them throw football around in the studio sometimes. That it's, seems like bad TV. Yeah, it's it's a lot of really bad TV. That MLB and MLB Network, both a lot of really bad TV. Yeah, it, the NFL Network should not be a year-round thing. So, yeah, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll do every two weeks. Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on whatever it is you get your podcast on on Android. It, that thing has a name, but I'm a, I'm an iPhone guy, so I don't know what it is. Uh, another icebreaker question for the second sure. half. Have you ever been to an actual Packers game? I've been to a number of them. I've awesome. been to uh, I've been to Lambeau Field three times. Uh, I saw a Lion, Packers-Lions when Favre was still playing. I saw Packers-Steelers uh, when Favre was still playing. That was in, man. I want to say Packers Steelers was like 2007, and Packers Lions was like 2004, 2005, because um, we saw Mike Sherman was still coaching, and he crossed the street in front of us when we were trying to park, and he waved. Um, <clears throat> and then I've been to in eighth grade after they won the Super Bowl, I went to training camp, and a few years ago I went to a game in Minneapolis where they played the Vikings in the Metrodome. That was like 2011, maybe. That's pretty fantastic. I have seen one Green Bay Packers game. Where at? When? At Lambeau Field. At Lambeau Field. This was in 2002 in December. I, I pulled up the exact date just now wow. because uh, that, of course, is 16 years ago. I was I was a young professional at that point. Mm-hmm. By professional, I mean I wore tie-dyed shirts and worked in a bread bakery. There you go. And I had a friend of mine who lived up in Green Bay who... Won a raffle at work and was given Green Bay Packers tickets. Where were you living at this? I time? was living in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, and this was a Sunday night game. It was December fourteenth, two thousand two. Is is I think the day after. So it was like December thirteenth, December twelfth, Sunday night game against the Vikings that he won tickets for. He called me at work because he could not go. He this was a like I cannot go to this thing kind of situation wow. and that's another story in and of itself sure. that we're not going to cheese head in chicagoland right now so i get this call and i'm working and he's like do you want a, these two tickets i'm like yeah man yeah i actually do <laughs> Stra- strangely enough weird i'm gonna shock you here yes and so i just called up my girlfriend now my wife and i was like hey did you know we're going to the packers game tonight and she's like okay <laughs> and just <laughs> I'll get some blankets. <laughs> and, there you go. And we, uh, we, we, I get done with work. We pile into her, uh, her Honda Accord, uh-huh. and we, uh, we zip up to Green Bay, pick up the tickets, and um, we, I, you know, at this point, like I've never had held a Lambeau Field ticket. I do not mm-hmm. look at what the ticket is. Sure. I'm just like, cool. These are tickets. They're going to get us into the game. Super cool. And um, we go in, and we are, uh, we're 20 rows up on the 45 yard line. <gasps> Yeah, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> and Packers, Packers, Vikings, late Packers comeback, fracas after the game involving Chris Hovan starting to like get into it with Brett Favre because <laughs> the Packers comeback drive was aided and abetted by a uh, pass interference call that the Vikings generally thought was BS. Mm-hmm. And there was, uh, there was fines. There's a melee after the game. It was, uh, it was, it was really, really something. It was Frickin' cold, just, just bitter cold, and you know at this point, like I'm an incredibly poor, 22 year old baker. Mm-hmm. I had no Packers gear or anything. We literally went wearing the blankets on our bed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just took the blankets off the bed, wrapped ourselves in, and went up to this Packer game. It's the only one I've seen. Sunday night, Packers Vikings back in 2002. 
what a game to see. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I never had the heart to tell, uh, to tell my friend what he gave up. Did he know? Did he ever know I, I, where the seats were? I don't think he knew where the oh, seats were. man. Because he asked, like, were those seats okay? And I was like, yes, man, they were okay. They were fine. They, they were, were pretty fine. good. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for asking. That's, so uh, that, that's mine. I, I like that story. It's a great story. I, I tell that story. It, it becomes, uh, you know, you, you tell it over and over and you start to get the timing and you start, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You start to mythologize your, your, uh, yourself a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, you can look it up. It's in the New York Times. There was uh, six players got fined for their role in a fracas at the end of last Sunday night's game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Antoine Edwards, Mike McKenzie, Nate Mike Wayne McKenzie. of the Packers were each fined five grand. Vikings tight ends Hunter Goodwin and Jim Kleinsasser were fined ten grand, and receiver Chris Walsh was fined five thousand yeah. dollars. The fine stemmed from the final seconds of the Packers' 26-22 victory in an emotional and at times chaotic nationally televised game, in which quarterback Brett Favre led Green Bay on two fourth-quarter touchdown drives after they had trailed by twenty-two to thirteen. So there you go. That was a Dante Culpepper Brett Favre. Matchup, classic. Oh, it's a good one. Uh, that's that's uh, my memory. We're gonna. That's the only thing left in my memory. Actually, <laughs> there's there's nothing nothing more up there. Although I was uh, I I was at a good brew pub yesterday. You have do I remember you, the brew have pub? I told you. You about do that? remember the brew pub? Have I heard about this? We know about this. Um, that I'm never gonna do Jay Leno again. Jay Leno is just me doing a falsetto. Apparently, <laughs> I heard about this. We know about this. You gotta get the big chin. You hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Relax your jaw. Just sort of fly around. Oh, God, I'm taking this part out. Um, hey, the NFL draft is this weekend. Hey, it is. And a bunch of teams are, of course, feeling very optimistic. The Browns get to pick first. Mm-hmm. Who do the Browns pick first? I think the Browns take Sam Darnold first. I think so, too. I think that's I think that's the, a, a can't-miss pick for the Browns. I think they take Josh Allen. They're going crazy. I think Josh Rosen wouldn't fit. In Cleveland, um, even though I think he's the best prospect, I think Darnold is number one quarterback prospect. Browns need a quarterback. Is that... Sorry, I think I just contradicted myself. I think Rosen is the number one quarterback prospect. I think Darnold is the best fit for Cleveland. There, I got you. Did I clear myself up? Yeah, yeah, you got that. Um, Is this... uh, Is there any way that that anyone can succeed in Cleveland right now? Is, is is Cleveland actually turning it around? I've said they're turning I said they were turning around last year. I said they were gonna go eight and eight last season and they went on sixteen. So take my feelings with an absolute grain of salt. Because okay. I think Cleveland's always on the verge of being good. I think they have a great defense that's only gotten better. I think these they have so many good draft picks that they should solidify all of their holes. But man, who the hell knows? I mean, as long as they got Hugh Jackson coaching, they might go they're one and thirty-one with Hugh Jackson. I mean, as long as he's still there, they might go one and what is that? Forty-eight, forty-seven. Yeah. Can they can they build with with the being the place that no one wants to be? Can you build? I mean, you can build an NFL team through the draft more than you can build other teams mm-hmm. through the draft. But like, can they become the seventy-sixers of the NFL of like trusting the process? I mean, I would love to see that. The only difference, I mean, between Browns and 76ers, I think the Browns have always tried to win. They just have always put themselves in a terrible position and True. chose chosen bad players and signed people to bad contracts and everything. I I mean, no one wants to go to the Browns in free agency, and so they have to build through the, the draft. Very similar to the Green Bay Packers. Is, I mean, historically, no one wants to come to Green Bay for free agency. We've had to build through the draft. It's a, it's a possible thing, um, and I hope they can do it, but who knows if they actually will. Yeah, I I... I enjoy watching the Browns fail. That's I don't <laughs> sure, know. Sure, sure. I, I don't even dislike Cleveland. I've actually never been to Cleveland, and uh, for the rest of like the Cleveland teams, it's such a such a a blank slate. Sort of doesn't move the needle for me at all. Like mm-hmm. oh, the Cleveland Indians, they should probably change their name because yeah. that's mad racist. Yeah. Like oh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, and a bunch of players that really don't move my needle play there. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. LeBron James and much of his pals. Yeah, LeBron James and his pals, and you know, boy, he's good. <laughs> NBA chat just for a minute. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, of course, that's what the podcast is about. They pick at fourteen, mm-hmm. and most most places that you read have it run down. Packers are going to pick based on need. One, two, three. They're going to go 
defensive backfield, pass rusher, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And I just want to want to get your get your feelings on this. Do uh, is is everyone right about this, or do you see something else for Green Bay? I think I think we'll go. Uh, Edge rusher, first round. I think most likely we'll see an edge rusher, first round. Um, second round, I would like to see cornerback if hopefully Isaiah Oliver is still available out of Colorado. Um, I, I He's got unbelievable measurables. He fits all of our kind of, of our height requirements, speed requirements, everything like that. He didn't. He doesn't meet our three cone, so he's not as explosively quick as we typically look for guys to be, but he's got size, he's got strength, he's fast as hell in a, in a straight line. He ran a 4-5, 40. He's, I would love to see us take him in the second round. I would like to see Harold Landry in the first round as an edge rusher and wide receiver possibly in the third round. Uh, I think if Cortland Sutton drops into the second round, we could see the Green Bay Packers scoop up a wide receiver in the second round as well. So you're, you're off of off, off, uh, words. You, you, are, you are not in line with... The all the mock drafts that I've I've been clicking on and reading, mm-hmm. all of them all have of them. defensive back in in the first round. Mm-hmm. I tend to think that yeah, if you're looking at what the Packers are doing, cornerback and edge rusher are equally important. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's much more of a throw up of like who can you get in that first round? Does someone fall or not? Yes. And and that to me is like if uh, if who. On, in the defensive backfield, would you take over an edge rusher in the first round if they're available? I would take Mika Fitzpatrick if he drafts. I've seen, I believe it was CBS's mock draft had him falling to 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would lose my mind if we drafted Mika Fitzpatrick. I think he's stellar and immediately fills into the void that Morgan Burnett left. I think Derwin James is uh, the other defensive back that, I see, that I've seen slip to us. I think he's typically rated at like 8 to 10, but... I've seen a few drafts. He drops back to us. He's a strong safety out of Florida State um, who can step up, play that linebacker role. Very similar kind of in his skill set to a Josh Jones. However, mm-hmm. I see – I would really like to see Josh Jones play a little bit more like weak side linebacker. He's a little small, but he's an exceptional tackler. He's all over the field. Um, outside of that, the only other first-round defensive back that I love that will be available, I'm assuming Denzel Ward is off the board already. Um, is a lot Josh of people have him going to the Bears? Going to the Bears at eight, yeah. I, he would he would be a good fit with, for the Bears. I the only other defensive back I think that is a first round talent is Josh Jackson, out of Iowa. I really love Josh Jackson's ball skills, his size, his speed, everything about him. I love Josh Jackson. I would not be upset with uh, any of those three defensive back picks at fourteen for the Green Bay Packers. Um, but I really think we'd probably go edge first round. And. If you're looking into the second round, if if we go edge in the first round, mm-hmm. yeah, who's who's there in the second round? I know, I know you mentioned someone, but kind of give me a rundown of, of who you might like in the second round there. In the second round, I've got Isaiah Oliver's kind of my top uh, defensive back in the second round. He's a cornerback, boundary corner. He's six foot, two inches, uh, 201 pounds, ran a 4.5. He fits almost all of our measurables, all of our size things. Um, Mike Hughes is a guy that we had a meeting with. Um, had one of our pre-draft meeting slash visits, um, and very it's 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 interesting. Uh, Thompson has always used his pre-draft meetings to meet with guys that would be undrafted free agents and stuff like that. Guys that are going to be going in the late rounds. Excuse me, Gutekunst um, has used almost all of his pre-draft visits on like early draft first and second round talents, um, and he met with Mike Hughes earlier. I really love Mike Hughes out of Central Florida. Dante Jackson out of LSU is another one that's a second round talent. He ran a 4-3-1-40. He's just unbelievable. He's lightning quick. He's a little bit small. He's 5'10 and like 180 pounds. 100, yeah, 178, 180 pounds, but he's lightning fast, lightning quick, explosive, could ex- just dominate as like a, a, a trail cover guy in like a press man coverage like Petten loves to run. Um, in the third round, I really like Isaac Yadam out of Boston College and Holton Hill out of Texas. Those are the other two that I really like. Um, Size is becoming such is becoming something that you really value in defensive backs these days more than you used to. Because mm-hmm. looking at a lot of these guys, Isaiah Oliver is six foot two. Yeah. Uh, who is it there? Uh, there he is, Derwin James, six three, two yeah. twelve. These guys are gigantic, just big guys. And jo- I mean, Josh Jones playing safety for mm-hmm. us last year, six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. I mean, these are big dudes. That used to be the sort of player that would immediately get tried 
tried to get slotted into either a wide receiver skill position or somewhere else on the field or maybe even mm-hmm. maybe even be a linebacker. Yeah. Um more you know a decade decade and a half ago, but Absolutely. these days they they are secondary guys and I really like the the evolution of I, I think Troy Polamalu is the first guy who did it proficiently that that you know we've seen Morgan Burnett do it now mm-hmm. and uh, we've seen you know, guys like the uh, the honey badger do it too less less effectively, but that yes, that close to the uh, close to the box safety in the modern NFL and using it as a counter to passing based offenses as opposed to using it as an old fashioned like this is how we stop Bo Jackson yeah. kind of kind of philosophy. This has really changed how defensive backs are looked at and what is valued in in their in their physical attributes. Absolutely, it's it the three cone drill has become kind of a big. It's it's a big measurement for explosiveness and how they turn their hips. How how a cornerback turns their hips is so essential to their coverage skills. Even there's so much that can be taught in the NFL. So much of like uh, a cornerback's ball skills, a, how a cornerback plays a man, everything like that can be coached. What can't be coached is this explosiveness and this this ability to be agile in the hips, and that's very easily measured. In like three cone drills, in these sprints, in these 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 numbers and measurements and all that. I mean, Kevin King, our pick last year, six foot three, ran the forty and four four blah, 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 ran the forty in four point four three seconds. I mean, the Packers have been shifting more and more to big boundary corners, and I I, I there's a lot of guys that fit that. Yeah, it's it's those measurements in the second round. To me, that's the biggest position of need. I was surprised to hear you say edge rusher mm-hmm. right now because there there are guys you you like you like the front three right now of mm-hmm. of Clark Daniels and Muhammad Wilkerson. I like Nick Perry. I like Clay Matthews for sixty five percent of what they pay him sure. right now. Yeah, but he's there, so you got to like him. And I I I feel as though the there are more questions at at in the defensive backfield for me than there are on the line right now because guys when Vince Beagle was getting healthy at the end of last year he didn't look awful yeah so to me the the bigger questions are in the defensive backfield particularly because I don't trust Tremont Williams to to make much of an impact this year if you have to play him more than 35 percent of the defensive snaps Mm -hmm. a game if if he's being asked to do that or more I think you're in trouble so that like NFL ready athlete Yes, is is I think why you go in the first round there, but um, edge rusher kind of kind of let me know like what what's uh, what do you what do you see in like the first round edge rusher that that you don't get in the second or third round? I think there's a lot of really good deep edge rushers in this class. I just think that the top tier, the Tremaine Edmonds, Harold Landry, Marcus Davenport, nah, not I'm not a big Leighton Vander Esch guy, but. Those three, I just think are all three of them are can't miss prospects. And if one of if they're on our board, I just I, I I can't see us passing that up. Is Clay Matthews is good, but he's good for sixty five percent of what we pay him and on fifty percent of snaps. Mm-hmm. He's just not able to go every down anymore. And same with Nick Perry is Nick Perry's always hurt and when he's on the field he just needs to be used in spurts. So while we have this dominating defensive line or we we hope to see a dominating defensive line i just i would love to see one more like freak athlete rushing the passer because mike petton's been able to be fine with decent to average cornerbacks but he needs a pass rush so if we can solidify that pass rush i think mike petton can work around our average cornerbacks plus i just think there's a lot of depth in this cornerback class where there isn't necessarily as much top-end talent that's going to be available at 14. All right, looking forward to the fourth and fifth round. I believe there's two picks in each of those rounds. Um, someone can fact-check me on that one. But who is who is down there? Who do you like in, in those later rounds? Who do you think could be a real surprise that maybe we haven't heard of or won't hear about but that you'd like to see come into the into Lambeau Field this year? Mm. Third and f- fourth and fifth rounds? Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, late round sleeper picks. Late round sleeper picks. I really love Mike Ford out of Southeast Missouri State. It's, it's, that's a college apparently. That's a college apparently. I've never heard of it. His I've watched a little bit of his tape and I've looked at his measurables. His measurables are just off the charts crazy for he's he's projected to be late 
sixth, seventh, potentially undrafted. I think he's someone that we will bring in um, and someone that I'd really like to see. He's He fits our height threshold. He's 5'10 and a half. He fits our weight threshold. He's 190. He ran a 4.47.40, and he ran a 6.85 three-cone, which is just off the charts. Um, he's a physical... I, I really like Mike Ford in the back end. Um, wide receivers-wise, I would be interested in a... Um, shoot, where'd he go? Alan Lazard out of I- Iowa State in the fifth round. Um, ran a 4.56. I think we're going to be looking for a few burners, like a Deion Kane out of Clemson, which might be around three... For a little bit earlier, but he's a deep burner. I think we're going to be looking for somebody like that in kind of those mid-range rounds, kind of just take a flyer pick on a super athlete. For for me, it's always always fun to watch the uh, the, the later rounds of the draft because yes. things get unpredictable, and that's where that's where the very that's where some of the crazier stories are, mm-hmm. and that's that's where sometimes you end up with those uh, those fan favorite stories and. Yeah. And, of course, there are a lot of undrafted guys. The Packers love undrafted free agents. Packers love undrafted free agents. I love the late rounds because I know nothing. Mm-hmm. You, you watch the late rounds. Anything past about round two or three, crapshoot. Anybody can go anywhere. Anyone can not get picked. Anything past that is just a crapshoot. And so, I don't know. I always, I always find it so interesting to watch. Speaking of crapshoots, final question about the draft. If, if the draft doesn't play out quite the way we think it's going to, and if some of these skill players that we think are going top 10 yeah. fall to 14, mm-hmm. is there anyone that you'd take outside of like a, a, a very defense, pass rush, cornerback-oriented draft for the mm-hmm. Packers? Is there any, any of these other guys that if they fall, who, who do you draft if they're there? Oh, man. I, I mean, I'm big on Calvin Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't. I don't think we'd take him, but that's one that if I'm Gutekunst, I give myself a little pause before I send in my Harold Landry or Josh Jackson pick as I think, ooh, Calvin Ridley. Just an exceptional route runner. Um, Calvin Ridley, exceptional route runner, great hands, good speed, quick, just a solid, capable wide receiver that reminds me a lot of Devontae Adams coming out of college. Um, and while I didn't love Devontae Adams in his first few years in Green Bay, He's developed into a absolutely stellar player. And if we could get a second one of those, hey, love it. That's interesting. What was it about Adams that you didn't like in the first hands. couple of years? Hands? Okay, hands. sure. Absolutely the All hands. Right. Every, every ball that went to Devontae Adams, I it was a 50-50 to me. It was a coin flip every He time. could make an adventure every once in oh, a while. God, yeah. I, one, of, one of my earliest tweets, this is a show where I talk about my tweets. Yeah. Help me, Lord. Um, <laughs> one of my earliest tweets was, uh, we, need, we need a name for a receiver who makes those amazing catches, those one-handed, falling yep. out of bounds, bobbling catches look like the easiest thing in the world and makes the routine, hands outstretched in front of the numbers, easy catches look real hard. Yeah. And I, I just—it was because I'd been—I wa- watched a very, per- very Devonte Adams-ish Devonte Adams performance. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do we call these guys yeah. who do this? Because, yeah, some of the routine plays were were adventures, but to me, it was that that X factor of like, okay, this guy can one hand a ball falling over backwards while going out of bounds and still yep. like, you know, tap his toes like. Like the routine stuff will probably get easier. The routine because stuff, the can absurd be stuff is is there already. Yeah, you can't coach the absurd stuff. You can't teach the the crazy instincts. You can't teach stuff like that. You can keep, teach a guy to catch. You can teach a guy to run routes. You can keep, teach a guy to do that stuff. The absurd stuff, uh-uh, absolutely not. Yeah, and he's he's become one of my favorite wide receivers. My my possibly my favorite Packer of all time, and my absolute my favorite Packers wide receiver is Donald Driver. Absolutely, yeah, of course. And to to me, like Devonte Adams, of course, doesn't have Donald Driver's personality. You know, in in the specifics, mm-hmm. Driver, of course, a very very distinct personality. But Devonte Adams has a combination of like, like sort of an outgoing, like friendly exterior, but he's got a huge chip on his shoulder, yeah. and that's yeah. so neat. It's yeah. it's so nice to see. Like this this is a guy who. You know, he, he gives a shit about what's going on. Yeah, he's so mad that I hated him for two years. Uh-huh. He's mad at me individually because yeah. I was You doubted upset. him. I doubted yeah. him, and I was upset with that draft pick. I'm sure I tweeted about it. When, when, he took the, uh, when he took that shot 
against the Bears uh, last year from from Trevathan. Like he was out on Twitter, like just yeah, just, the next like, day calling people out. Yeah, just calling people out on <laughs> I Twitter. It. I was yeah, I was I was, I was retweeting that. Yeah, I, I was, was just like pour me uh, another. Like <laughs> large sixteen ounce helping of that kind of that kind of attitude because it's real. Like yeah. it's, he's telling the truth. Like nothing that he tweeted was at he all like to be protected. based That's in ridiculous. anger. You know, it, it's not it's not anger. It's not unprofessional. But it's like, hey, for real, listen to me right now as I as I say these things. And like, yeah, you know, he plays like that too. Yeah, he, he plays like he talks. It's he there's to be there's a to. consistency. Yes. And yeah, I, I've been a I've been a big fan of Devonte Adams since he got there. I'm glad he won you over. Yes. Oh my God. To, I'm the huge. I'm a big Devonte Adams supporter now. It took it took me a few years. I I had to warm up to him, but man, he's he's something to watch now. All right. Final order of business here on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. The schedule has come out. Mm. It's in uh, it's in one of these browser tabs that I have open. There it is. And we're gonna just gonna talk about the uh, just because it came out, not because it's uh, coming up anytime soon. But, uh, you know, September 9th is closer than we think. Yeah. Uh, first four weeks is what I want to talk about here. Absolutely. Week one, Bears at home Sunday night on NBC. Happy for a couple of reasons. I get to listen to my absolute favorite game caller in football, Al Michaels. Al Michaels is great. And I get to watch Packers-Bears Sunday night game. Sunday mm-hmm. nights are a very, very special time for me. Uh, and this is a nice narrative game. Because the NFC North this year, you get I you know we we are here in the loop in Chicago, mm-hmm. hearing a lot of Bears optimism yeah. from people, and this is a very very early game to uh, to in you know in my hopes destroy the narrative of the Bears optimism. You know, meanwhile, the Bears fans have to be thinking like, yeah, oh, this is an early season. Like if you catch them unaware, yeah. if you come up to Lambeau and uh, you know. If you come up to Lambeau and and hit them quickly and and knock them down and come out with a win in week one, all of a sudden you've got most of the NFL pundit class and and the seventeen guys who are paid to sit around on the NFL Network set and throw a football talking <laughs> about the Bears as if they're for real yeah. in the first week of the season. That could be a huge game. Yeah, I I expect the Packers to win. I think the Packers Same. will win. I think handily. I don't think the Bears are quite there yet. Uh, they don't have anywhere near enough receiving talent around Trubisky yet. Uh, they're just not a talented enough offensive team. But it'll be fun to watch. It'll be good to see Aaron Rodgers back on the field. Um, it'll be good to see a Packers throttling of the Bears. Uh, it's at home. I don't know. Week two also at home versus the Vikings. That's just a, a regular Sunday day game. Noon game on Fox. Another big one. I... I have the Vikings pick to win the NFC North this year. I yeah. think they go 12 and 4 and win. Yeah. I mean, they're the addition of Kirk Cousins makes this Vikings team I think the immediate Super Bowl favorite to me. It's it's this is not just a stellar defense with a capable offense. This is now a stellar defense with an absolutely yeah. uh this with an offense that could pop off every week. Yeah, these guys are fantastic. They have made some of the smartest signings. Mm-hmm. That I've seen, and they they have it at every level. I could not believe their uh, their McKinnon Murray, yeah, backfield tandem, and they went Came to that, together. yeah, and they went to that after an injury. Like yeah. that was what they had waiting in the wings. Yeah, it's, like who is signing these guys up there? Because he's smart. He's smart. It's they have a few more years before that defense collapses, and everybody wants their huge contracts. Uh-huh. But those next few years are gonna be scary. Everson Griffin might be my favorite non-packer in wow. the league right now. I like the I, way he plays. Yeah, I like his deal. I'm, I'm, I evaluate based on my emotions. Sure, hey, that's <laughs> fair enough. I'm, that's how I do it. I'm an emotion. I'm an emotional man, and I see a lot of the Vikings. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a partisan. Mm-hmm. I like all partisans, but yeah. there's just something about like, oh, he's cool. He's good. Yeah, he's cool. He's good. Yeah, it was Palomalu for a long time on the Steelers. Loved I Paul mentioned him earlier. In the uh, game, I was always a huge Randy Moss fan mm-hmm. as well. Like these are emotional picks yeah. for me. Part of it is like, do you piss off the squares a little bit? Because if you do, like I have <laughs> Dude, an anti- I have an anti-authority streak <laughs> uh, running through me that uh, you know it's not it's not obvious these days because because I'm I'm elderly. Mm-hmm. You know my AARP card arrived, but like the anti-authority Jeez. streak helps helps me there. Uh, first away game is the Redskins at week three. 
that um, Redskins, I don't think they, uh, I don't think they ever climbed the hill. I think they they fell back down. Yep, I think I think they just got worse. Getting rid of Kirk Cousins, adding Alex Smith, I think we win that game pretty easy. Washington's not. Washington's defense isn't anything exceptional. Washington's offense isn't anything exceptional. Alex Smith makes them, I think, a step worse than they were last season. I think Packers will win that game pretty easy. Bills on September 30th is week four. That game is um, is you know, one that you might don't probably don't want to look past. Sure. Although though Buffalo is, uh, you know, I listen to Joe Lorendi talk about Buffalo a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, former radio DePaul Sports legend Joe Lorendi mm-hmm. uh, loves the Buffalo Bills, so I, I get a lot of Bills optimism. And then week five, Lions. Uh, week six, 49ers. The bye comes in week seven. That's a nice, sensible week to have a bye. That's a good week. That's the, uh, that's the early schedule. We will get to the rest of the schedule coming up further on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. That's going to do it for this week. Of course, the draft is this weekend. We'll be, we'll be going through it. Um, we'll come back and talk about the draft. I think we'll have yeah. to talk about the draft uh, probably end of next week yeah. and get another one up to, uh, to get some, some rapid reactions to this. So we'll get another episode up about the draft recap. As that's happening, I want to let you all know that Oh, what do I want to let you know? I made an email address if you really need to send us email. I mean, email's like old-fashioned these days. Yeah, it's yeah. like It's practically snail it's like, mail. It's like walking into a house and seeing that they have like a, a like a white pages phone book. Mm-hmm. There, Twitter DMs are the new yeah, email. Yeah, that's But it is cheeseheads in Chicagoland at gmail.com is where you can email us. We are of course on Twitter at cheesecagoland. Uh, we have a Facebook group. It's called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Make sure to like it or whatever it is you do to those. I don't actually I'm not know a Facebook person. what it I, is you do for those. I actually, I almost posted under the Cheeseheads in Chicagoland Facebook thing on like one of my own posts because I, I I know so little about yeah. how Facebook works. That would have been okay. That I almost responded to yeah. somebody as our business page. I caught myself. This is not a business. <laughs> business page. Like I, I have I have either good news or bad news. <laughs> <laughs> depending on on how you're feeling about it, um, I am personally on Twitter at mp Fleischman m p f l e i s c h m a n. Read the read the cover on the the podcast, and you'll you'll be able to spell it. Yes, it's a uh, it's yeah the cover art's good. We put up we put up some cover art. I want to say thank Amy you to it. yeah thank you to my wife Amy Peter for doing our you, uh, our our cover art. She is a Photoshop wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, I freely admit that like I have. I have actually like worked my way into the good graces of one of my bosses right now because he thinks I'm good at Photoshop. <laughs> Don't show him this. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mike. How you doing? Um, <laughs> no, I, I just he knows that I'm getting help, but um, I am learning along the way. But yeah, thank you very much, Amy, for helping us out with our our cool logo. Where can they find you, Matt Mellum Setter? You can find me on Twitter at. Melum Setter. It's the at symbol M E L E M S E T E R. As I said for Mike, look at the uh, look at Amy's wonderful cover, and you'll see how to spell my name. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, I guess at Mel- Matt Melum Setter. That's a lot less business than my Twitter is. Uh, but I will be doing a live draft special on the day of the draft as the first round for Radio to Paul Sports. We will be live streaming on Facebook as well as streaming on the Radio to Paul Sports application and on the Radio to Paul Sports website, RadioToPaulSports.com. Um, you can listen in, tune in there. Me and Charlie Bevins, who's a Bears fan, will talk about all of the first-round draft picks live as they happen on Thursday from 4 to 8, I think it is. So tune in. Sounds fantastic. We'll be back to recap it all once it's all done with and once we can find the time to get back in here into the beautiful new studios in the loop for Radio DePaul Sports. I want to say thank you to Radio DePaul Sports for letting us do our work in here as well. We'll be back. Until then, he's Matt Mellumsetter. Hey. I'm Mike Fleischman. What do we tell him? I don't know. What do we tell him? Well, last week we told him to stay cheesy. Oh, that's I don't know good. if I'm. I'm like. I don't know if I'm completely sold cheesy, on that baby. one. Stay cheesy. All right. Baby. All right. We're uh, we're gonna buy it again for another week. For Matt Mellon Setter, I'm Mike Fleischman. Stay, stay cheesy, cheesy baby. Stay cheesy.